Sex, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the speculative interdimensional vehicle, Sex in Space. Its mission, to explore new points of view, to seek out fresh opinions, to boldly go where so many have gone before, and still somehow manage to totally miss the point. Subscribe to Sex in Space, wherever quality podcasts are found. Hi there, I'm Tim, and welcome back to Sex and Space, here continuing to explore sex across all of its infinite dimensions. Hope you are all doing great. If you're loving yourself a little bit of Sex and Space, there are loads of ways you can support us. Head on over to sexandspace.com forward slash shop, check out our merch, our book, The Organ Education Forgot, a little book about the clitoris, is also available at sexandspace.com forward slash book. Grab it as a downloadable PDF or a fabulous print version. You can also show your support by liking, rating, and subscribing wherever you found us. There's more content over on TikTok and Instagram. Our handle over there is at sexandspace.com. That's all one word, sexandspace, D-O-T-C-O-M. This is episode 40. Get ready for a good one. I got to connect with the incredible River Scott. River Scott is a multi-award winning writer, broadcaster, podcaster, audio producer, and is a dynamic force in the world of content creation. Their passion for storytelling is abundantly evident, and as a dedicated LGBTQI plus activist, they channel their energy into making a positive impact. Join me as we explore the fascinating story of a creative mind with a purpose. Let's get into it. Hey River, how are you? Hi, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Very good. Thank you you so much for coming on Sex and Space. Um, Thanks for having me. I've always wanted to have sex in space. Who hasn't? And in fact, yeah, we we talked about that on a previous episode. Um, It's probably something we should be thinking about, to be honest, you know. I have a I have a physicist friend who who tells me it is very possible, just a little awkward, and you need stuff for everyone to hang on to. So I would say you do not that different from real life, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, anyway, after that brief, um, you know, cold sack there, you <laughs> <laughs> you um, are prolific. Um, oh. notorious even um, but in my hetero normal bubble um, oh, I've gross. first yeah exactly gross I've only just stumbled across your your name um, in a wonderful Guardian article that you were part of but you have in fact founded an online magazine called So So Gay am I correct? <sighs> that, yeah well co-founded, co-founded. yeah that was that, okay sorry you've been reading my CV Hell I yeah. think this is well Hell done yeah. um Primetime radio show in Ireland, um, is that right? On Pride Vibes Radio. That is going to be. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, yeah, a friend of mine, um, who's who's their their uh, breakfast uh, host at the moment, uh, recommended me for that because I was like, do they not want more Irish voices? And they were like, oh yeah, we've got plenty. Look, just you're you're good. We yeah. want you in too. Well, there's oh, lots of Irish people in Ireland. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> writer and producer for the Queer Podcasters Network, mm. um, and. Uh, created the multi-award-winning uh, podcast, Probably True. 
which that's true. That is true. Probably. Um, which I'm now a, a subscriber of. Um, oh yay. yay! It's all been worth it. I got one more <laughs> subscriber. But like I said, um, you know, this podcast has taken me on some uh, some crazy crazy journeys already. Um, chatted last week to a lady about vulvas. Talked to a lady this week who um, writes um, gay romance and erotica. Um, it's been it's been a real journey, but. Interestingly, yeah, tripped tripped over your name in this lovely Guardian article about um, how gay life is better now. Um, your your <laughs> piece was really interesting. I think the article sort of spanned a um, couple of different different age age ranges, generations, and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I'd love to love to dive into your your take on that and expand on on some of that if that's all good with you. Surely, yeah. yeah. Uh, what? Let's 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 dive on yeah. in. Yeah. So, what is better now, um, from your perspective? Oh well, um, I suppose. Oh, that. I mean, queer history is it's one of those kind of depressing things. It's it's like one long miserable <laughs> grind with the occasional exciting bit that pops up. Yeah. It's it's. Uh, I'm trying to think of a TV show that it's similar to in that respect, but I can't think of one. So I'll just move on. Um, yeah, lots of lots of stories of how everything was miserable and the best we could do would be um, maybe not actually being killed mm -hmm. uh, yeah. uh, throughout history and stuff like that. I mean, I I remember um, having chats with my uh, colleagues in some like boring job. Like, oh, what period in history would you most like to live in and all this kind of thing and... and Oh, I want to be a cowboy. Oh, I want to be a like a um, I want to be a Roman mm. and all this kind of thing. I'm like, ah, uh, pretty much now. Yeah. <laughs> this is so far as good as it gets. Um, but in in more recent history, so kind of since what? Since in my experience, mm. um, well, I was born in the uh, mid '80s yeah. in uh, a small mining town in Yorkshire. So there were no real visible role models or anything like that mm. um, on TV or. Um, and we certainly weren't uh, taught any kind of history or anything like that. Um, there was uh, Section 28, which uh, was a piece of legislation um, brought in by... Uh, I'm trying to think of a nice way to put it, but I can't. Uh, 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 Margaret Thatcher oh, is... is yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, is the, is, the, um, is the the nicest words I can think of to describe her, her literal Margaret name. Thatcher. Everyone yeah. knows who that is. <laughs> yeah. um, the, the, uh, in the, and in the speech that she gave when she was kind of um, announcing this or, or putting this through Parliament or whatever was uh, saying that uh, young children were being lied to um, with the uh, pretense that a gay family was a possibility. So it wasn't even that um, uh, that these things were uh possible mm. like as in in her and her government's um eyes any kind of queer family was not only bad but impossible it was not a thing that any kid should have to do any child should have to deal with or or should be inflicted upon them it was it was um like reading the language now it's horrible but worryingly we seem to be um edging closer towards it again yeah. but that's that's not for right now but so yeah there was no uh, it was illegal for, um, oh, well, it, the thing, it, the really frustrating thing about all of this is that there was a lot of stuff that they, that they left it quite vague so that it would uh, intimidate 
anyone who was uh, like teachers and stuff. It didn't actually say that teachers would lose their jobs if they talked about um, anything to do with, um, well, it would have been gay rights, but now we would say LGBTQ mm. plus rights. Um, and it was left vague like that on purpose because they because it would have been difficult to enforce, but it was also left very much like that. So I went through school, my entire school life was spent uh, inside the the active time of clause, uh, of section mm. 23. Um, so it was a real kind of like, there was none of it. There was, it, there was absolutely nothing that you could look at and say, hey, it's it's not only okay to be gay it's actually quite fun yeah. you know people enjoy it it's it yeah which was which yeah and and the closest we came i suppose up until around 2000 was you'd see people like uh julian clary or christopher biggins who were kind of the um very camp very kind of larger than life and for some reason they got a bit of a pass mm -hmm. i think in in the and i think it was more and it was that kind of, it was almost as if they, they were, a, it was a character they were playing that was um, like that. Yeah. And so they were, there was almost like a, um, oh, like a not, a, not a circus, but the kind of uh, sideshow kind of, oh, come, roll up and look at the, at the, at the funny gay person. Yeah. 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 And, and, and they both did. Um, too, maybe as well in that. Yeah, in the you know it's uh, it, and and there was no they weren't a threat mm. basically to uh, to to straight people and I think that's a big part of um, where that kind of thing came from and then you know the big kind of watershed for me anyway and I suppose for a lot of people like me there was <coughs> excuse me and whenever there were there were gay characters on TV I think there was um, a gay uh, person on. Uh, EastEnders, I think it was around um, kind of, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head whether this was first or whether um, Queer as Folk came first. Queer as Folk was the big one. That was the one that I was going to say was like the watershed for me was seeing these people not only existing, but actually enjoying themselves and being powerful and having fun and actually being real characters as opposed to um, the gay best friend or like someone who would be well-dressed in the background and would have like a mm -hmm, mm -hmm. one scene or like a, an arch eyebrow moment, but then they wouldn't be anything to do with the plot. These were people who were the main characters and they were central and they were allowed to be fully realized um, people. And, and they weren't dying of AIDS, yeah. which was, yeah. And that was the thing I was saying up until that point, you had uh, gay people who were allowed to be gay as long as nothing about them said they were gay. Um, it was, well, they were just like everyone else, but they had sex mm. with men. That was the, uh, the kind of, uh, uh, acceptable way or um and i think the or they died of aids because uh they deserved it because they were gay mm -hmm. uh was essentially the under, on the the undertone on that i think yeah an example of the kind of the first time i think i heard someone say uh would talk about how someone was gay was actually on an episode of neighbors oh, um that progressive show and it was a kylie episode yeah. which tells you how long ago it was yeah. um i think it, it might have been I think it was a Kylie. Anyway, someone was chatting up a mechanic who was only in this one scene, and um, they some someone woman was chatting up a mechanic, and I think Kylie kind of like her character is was she um, Charlene? She was a mechanic like as well, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and I shouldn't do, try and do the accent. That's offensive. <laughs> I apologize. Um, <laughs> uh, and someone had come in to get their to pick up their car or something, and they were chatting with this hot guy who then walked off. 
and 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 they were like, hey, Charlene, like your your colleague's really hot. Do you think he'd go on a date with me? And she just kind of laughed and went, oh, I don't think he's interested in you. And that was the end of the scene. And that was the first time it was like, oh, he was gay. And you never saw him again. Yeah. That was just one joke that was in there with this hot guy with his, you know, the kind of overalls and the grease and the kind of sweat and all that kind of delightful. Anyway, um, and so then, yeah, queer as folk. Yeah. Uh, Russell T. Davis brought us this huge thing, and there was there was there was rimming in the first episode, <laughs> and I mean, shocking. Why would you do that? <laughs> oh. But and um, that was kind of yeah, that for me as a as a kind of what would I have been. 16-ish, 17, that was the first time I'd seen anything that wasn't hushed or shameful or anything. Like, it was joyous. Mm. It was the first time there'd been anything like that um, in my ex ex experience and existence. Because, of course, there was no internet. Well, the, there was only, like, really, really slow dial-up internet. And the only always, time I'd yeah. seen anything even slightly um, affirming for, for gayness before then was porn. Mm. And and of course back then it was still images because you couldn't download a video. And it, not only was it still images, but this was dial-up internet where you couldn't use it if your mum wanted to ring your nan. And uh, and then you, you you'd get your computer to shout at another computer down the phone line, yeah. and then slowly like line, line by line, line these these images that now like you would you would get them on your phone and they wouldn't fill your whole phone screen. They'd be like. A, postage stamp size yeah. but on these old crt monitors it'd take five minutes to slowly load in from the top yeah. and the the one that really sticks with me was just these two hot um i think it was bellamy back in the day so they were kind of um these two hot skinny twinks like with six packs and mm. and uh, perfect hair and and pert bums and all that kind of thing just standing in a field kissing and it's broad daylight it's it's very open there's no one around and they're just having a kiss while naked it's not even explicit i think you see a bit of bum yeah. and that's it and um and or maybe i mean there were there were probably others that i saw at the same time but that one kind of stuck with me and they were just happy and unbothered and just out and out in the in the sunlight yeah. having a kiss and it wasn't a problem for anyone yeah. and i was like oh that sounds so nice yeah, yeah, yeah. you know so the, i guess always um, what you're sort of saying is that you know Back then, you know, mid nineties or whatever. It, late nineties. Sorry, let's, late nineties. It, uh... it, it all, <laughs> it all still felt like there wasn't no positive role models like there are. Yeah, there, there, there were there were no positive role models. There was no kind of talk about consent or, I mean, there was no talk about consent or anything like that at mm. all. Let alone like outside of, um, uh, straight stuff uh, and though and i remember even like sex, sex education at school i don't really remember it mm. i'm sure there must have been something i think we got to watch a bit well no actually if i remember rightly in middle school so when we were about 10 or 11 we got split into boys and girls Always split uh yep yeah, the girls got to watch a video about periods and the boys i think we got something about sperm or wet dreams it didn't tell us like that it was it probably told us that it was completely normal and nothing to worry mm. about it wouldn't have gone into anything about uh like masturbation or enjoying yourself or like discovering your body or like learning about each other's bodies it would have been the very biological mechanical side yeah, of things yeah and i imagine there was an update on that in high school that i either missed or just didn't pay attention to 
it, it, it would not have lasted long. And looking back at the kind of um, the teachers I had at the time, I would not be surprised if they'd accidentally skipped Possibly, it, to be yeah. honest, because it was it because, um, you know, teenagers are dicks at the best of times and trying to talk to them about masturbation and then having to look them in the eye every other day of the week yeah. when you're teaching them art or maths or whatever. Yeah. I just, yeah, well, also, it would have been if you don't let them have a good five minutes of giggling before you even try and start the lesson, there's just you off onto the wrong thing oh, straight away. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And so, and did you, um, I guess, back way back then in the late nineties, um, was coming not that long was ago, coming out uh, was coming out a thing or oh how, yeah was, coming out was coming out was a it was a big mm. thing. Um, I actually kind of um, quite I was I remember being quite annoyed a few years later because I came out like I came out to my friends and stuff when I was about sixteen ish. And then not out to my parents and everyone else till I was at university. Mm. So um, like three, four years later. Um, and it was quite frustrating because it was around the time when it was still a big deal. And like, oh, well, and it wasn't there. It was it was still kind of a risky thing to do. Mm. And like, it's weird because the, 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 the shift in tone from oh, what if your parents disown you as in as if that was a completely legitimate and possible thing? And it is, it's not to delegitimize that, yeah. but it's like just more that not only was that a possibility, but if not expected, then that was something that we would have to deal with. Not that they would be wrong in doing so. Mm -hmm. It was more, oh, they might do that. They might, dis my parents would never <laughs> do that. But um, the, it, was, it was more that, and then kind of it shifted to a celebratory thing and people would have, uh, only so much, only in America, and I saw them on TV. So probably not even real. Maybe it was just some some uh, queers in TV production wanting to try and make it a thing. But there were coming out parties, uh, and people would have cake. And I was like, <laughs> "Where was my cake when I came out? I wanted a cake, you know." Yeah. Like I got, uh, I did it by text because I'm a coward. <laughs> um, to my parents, yeah. I uh, so I came out to my friends mostly um, just by telling them because you know we were all around the same age. A lot of them were theater kids, so they were either down with it or also gay yeah. which was fun um and yeah i did the i did the um the 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 as johnny mcgovern on a recent episode of my uh podcast uh referred to it as uh the the stopover on bisexual island okay. uh, on my way yeah. to the to the gay continent <laughs> um which is not to say that bisexual people don't exist they do they it's a very real thing but for me um it was a way to kind of broach the subject and get people thinking about that because it was different mm. but not but not that different i was still liked girls so i was still close enough that there was a lot of common ground yeah. and that was as much for me to test the waters as it was for me to start to prepare the people to make that space in their brains for this kind of thing mm. and and to make sure that it was less of a transition as it were from straight to gay yeah. it was it was it became it had to be a gradual thing because you know i grew up in a rough mining town in in <laughs> in northern england it was this was not uh, a metropolitan or in any way kind of um sophisticated place yeah. you were expected to uh finish school get a job marry someone that you went to school with squirt out a few kids and then wait to die <laughs> was pretty That's much the 
the the the working that was the working class way yeah. and um yeah that, that was not for me no, <laughs> um i mean the working class bit i've still got no money but um uh yeah all the rest of it was was uh, stuff i didn't need so it, it it was very definitely necessary to have those steps and and then it became a um like i say like a big celebratory thing people were celebrated for their bravery and their and and for the uh the joy of coming out and and it's still it is a thing that ha that you have to be brave for in a lot of circumstances, mm. but I never got any cake, never any and that's cake. really um, that's really the thing that, that that rankles. And now I've seen um, I have a um, a, a non-binary cousin who I adore, and for them and their friends, it's pretty much just like, oh, cool, okay, and it's it's nothing. Mm. It's like um, I don't know. It, 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 it's such a difference in only like. Uh, they're 20 years younger than me mm. so in that tw in 20 years which is like not even not quite a generation it's shifted so much yeah. uh, from this huge potentially life-altering thing to possibly like hardly worth remembering yeah um, i mean i guess it's it's really interesting and speaks a lot to the sort of the shift in the shift over time um because yeah even even just in doing this podcast i've you know clumsily kind of crashed into the subject with a, with a few people who who would consider it like the latter um where it's it's really nothing you know um barely worth mentioning um and i mean that is it's it's great and i i applaud that sort of sentiment and what that's um you know it's kind of grounded in is that it doesn't it doesn't matter who you are you know you can be gay today buy tomorrow pan the next day you know and it, it it really shouldn't matter um and that's and you know. and there is that whole like even in the sorry to to jump in but even in like the the 60s and stuff that um kinsey was doing uh research into sexuality and all that kind of thing frustratingly even before that in the in the in the uh 1920s there was um a whole um research foundation in um in germany that was looking into sexuality and gender studies and things like that and and they had some um fascinating ideas but yeah the kin and, and then the nazis came along and burnt it all and put and set us back 50 60 mm. years at least if not hundreds anyway um but yeah even the kinsey scale says almost no one is completely straight yeah we all have these small some of us have these small. Some of us have very big urges yeah. to, to to do these kind of things. Yeah. Uh, we we are none of us without them, pretty much. And it's only through all this shame and programming that we are taught to deny and um, uh, reject and and bury and and all of that. These parts of ourselves that that otherwise we would be if if it wasn't a societal thing that we would be fine mm. to like acknowledge and kind of go yeah i'm i'm like i'm 90 percent straight occasionally i'd snog a guy i've 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 seen a few willies yeah. not a bad <laughs> thing but uh, but no and it's got to be no i'm straight anything like that is awful i will punch it with yeah. my fist maybe this is a, a human thing generally but we like things to be familiar we like patterns we like things that we know how they're gonna go when stuff is unknown or unexpected to us we panic mm on some level we don't like change and we like that certainty and and for a lot of people especially back in the day like uh being gay or something it was terrifying because it's like this doesn't fit mm. we don't know how this works ah yeah. um and and then they start to feel threatened by it and 
you know, and maybe that's just humans. I think that 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 goes right back to an evolutionary thing of like this thing is unfamiliar. It will probably try and eat me. Probably it's from um, a different tribe, or you know, yeah, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. And and it takes some uh, getting used to. And even even now, like we have a lot of labels and a lot of boxes and none of them fit exactly. And yeah, it's, it's, it's that thing of like, once you see, once you see this and you know what the labels are for and you know, you know why they work and they're mostly, they can be useful for people to learn stuff about themselves. You say, all right, well, I'm a gay man. What does that mean? Blah, 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 blah. All right. Well, yes. And then you kind of, you learn about pansexuality or you learn about, uh, gender, uh, differences mm. and non-binariness and, and all of these things and you go all right well ah. and all of those lines start to smush and blur and it all gets a little bit weird and and for a lot of people that's terrifying because they like to have this is one thing this is another i can see where these things are they like those tram lines Absolutely. and which is understandable because you know we we have uh rules and and society and we need and it's useful for us to know how to uh process and behave in different circumstances and with different groups of people yeah, and things like that totally. it's a but can i do yeah. i can i fuck them or do i eat them or like <laughs> what's <laughs> i mean in all in all of those situations you ask first you do. <laughs> <laughs> like have the conversation that's what we're missing oh, it's like can i fuck this like oh, yes. <laughs> consent is a thing yeah well that's good i mean um in terms of what Back to the change thing. What would still need to? What still needs to change? Um, if oh. you, um, you know, could transport us ten years, twenty years into the future, or or whatever, or even immediately now, actually, is um, yeah. Let's let's fix it yeah, now. Let's, fix let's, it now. let's not wait yeah. ten, twenty years. <laughs> Um, oh, I think when, right now the 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 big kind of burning uh, issue is the is is trans rights mm. and um, and just uh, so much of it is is stupid, stupid, willfully ignorant people who have realised that they can get a lot of attention and a lot of money and attention. Mm. It's mostly attention mm. uh, by being awful and uh just negating the existence of uh trans people mm. just saying oh this isn't right it's just men trying to attack women mm. men trying to get into women's space yes, when you get to go to prison in a woman's prison yeah and 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 the whole bathrooms thing it's like oh it's just men trying to get into women's bathrooms and it's like if men wanted to get into women's bathrooms one they wouldn't spend years and years uh trying uh, doing all the things necessary to become a woman mm. to be seen as a woman they don't need to become a woman they are women but to be seen as uh, a woman by the rest of society they would just buy a mop and put on a high-vis jacket and pretend to be a cleaner mm. that is literally all that they would and no one would question that and it 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 feels very broken and i don't believe that the people who are trying to uh perpetuate this system i don't believe that they truly think that way i think that again it just comes down to it's change and i'm scared mm. yeah rather than no women that's not a woman because that's not what a woman looks like as i say well if i say i'm a woman then i should know because it's me um and yeah and it's like oh gotta have a penis i'm like no you don't i 
I have a penis, but you know, I could there could be a freak accident involving some fireworks and a bandsaw this afternoon, and I would no longer have a penis. Yeah. Would that mean I wasn't a man? And you know, oh, but you've got you've got facial hair. I'm like, so did my nan. <laughs> and yeah, see, this is this is this is why I. Um, I, I generally wait for someone else to make the point better than I could because I get so tangled up in all of in the stupidity of it all that my that my brain just doesn't know where to go and I end up stuck in circles. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I know what you mean, but, and, and it, it's tricky because there's a lot there's a lot going on and there's a lot of conversations that you know and and threads which you could follow and um, I think you know I, I'd probably agree that that there is that it's a very tricky subject and um the best way to i mean if if i made the rules the best way seems to be through through talking about it with people um in a you know in a way where nuance and and fact and you know you can sort of challenge each other and learn from each other and and hear why people have maybe concerns or fears and and you know put those put those you know kind of go, okay well I hear you and here's sort of my take on it it's but I just don't feel like that's happening anywhere every everything that I see seems to be bubbles of people roaring each other up um and then for, you know and and yeah and a lot of it I think one of the things that really frustrates me is um when people go, oh well, let's 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 have a debate about this, and it's like I'm I'm happy to debate the because uh, the the footing is never from an equal point. It's always uh, it's always the very extremes because that's what gets attention. Mm. That's what people want to see, and it becomes uh, trans people are all predatory. Trans women are all predatory men versus. No, we just want to be left alone. Mm. Um, we just want to be like anyone else in uh, society, which personally sounds awful. But you know, generally, that's what we all want. We just want to be accepted for who we are and and left to do our own things. Yeah. And that shouldn't be too much of a problem. And <sighs> and I uh, and and then the debate becomes all about. Uh, the existence of trans people and then you get politicians like we have in the US at the moment who are who've made it uh, and I, actually not even in the US in the UK I think they will have legislation in place that means if a teacher found finds out that one of their students is uh, questioning their gender or is actively defining their own gender as anything other than what they were assigned at birth that teacher is professionally obliged to inform the parents they have to out the trans kids to their parents and if the trans kids aren't telling their parents there's probably a good reason and yeah. that is very dangerous kids are going to die because of that um that kind of thing and i'm not saying that the, that the parents are going to uh like beat them to death trying to beat it out of them or anything like that i wouldn't rule it out entirely but the thing is with all of that kind of stuff is if you are not listening to the kids you are doing especially in in formative years when they're still learning about these things you're doing intense psychological damage that we, we already have studies and science on this like kids are going to start taking their own lives mm -hmm. because they don't feel that they can live as who they are i mean start they are already doing that it's but it's going to get worse 
and legislation like this is direct. There's no other way to see it than directly linked to the deaths of people that could have been otherwise avoided just by listening to them and talking to them and being a bit more affirming and all. And you know, what difference does what it make? What difference does their existence else? make to? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, it seems yeah. to be honest, like a cynical sort of populist sort of move to get another sort of 8% of some radical base of voters maybe or something. I don't know, who knows, but <laughs> I have, and, I'm pretty and cynical. The really, <laughs> the really frustrating thing, especially in UK politics, is like it, it's it's the, the, the conservative position mm. is uh, all of this because they are only interested in the kind of like angry, red-faced, middle England Brexit voting like Tory core, mm. which is like uh, vanishingly small because it tends to be people, older people, um, who you know, uh, uh, are on the way out, <laughs> which is a shame, isn't it? Anyway, but then the really frustrating thing is that the opposition, the the Labour Party, which has generally been um, uh, historically came out of the unions and and the kind of like was the was the opposition to uh, the wealthy landowners setting all of the and all of that kind of thing. Like mm. British political history is long and boring and very very complicated. Anyway. Um, the with the, we have an election coming up probably in the next year and the tories are very aware that they've fucked it mm. because they've they've had con, they've had control of this country and they've run into the ground for the last 13 14 years um and labor who are in a position to win would rather not shake not rock the boat not put forward any progressive or um useful policies and would rather just go along basically with what the Tories said because they because they know that a lot of people will vote for them anyway and they want to court the ones who wouldn't right to to kind of pull them away from from their from the Tory thing and it's truly frustrating because it's it's pandering to a vanishingly small voting block mm. and it's also doing actual damage to the rest of the country like when if you do the polls outside of like political things most people are if not actively encouraging of trans rights are ambivalent yeah. no one really cares except for this very small very vocal minority that are then whipping it up in everyone else mm. uh, in 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 the larger populace where it doesn't need to be and it's it doesn't live normally like most people don't care no. you know who cares what your neighbors are doing as long as they're not doing it loud late at night or you know getting in your way so like most of the world does not care mm. it's just on a happy note from what we were just talking about the positive stuff mm. um that is and and can be out there is that your your podcast positively pos uh, probably true and the other stuff that you've sort of been involved with i mean i guess have you always i don't know would is activist some, a, a label you'd want to put on yourself or anything like that or in terms of you know creating um content for the queer community and and stuff like that like what what's your sort of why why did you what are you trying to achieve with that is it you know to, to be represented in you know i i mean i like the term activist but it does make it seem like i have a um a plan yeah <laughs> <laughs> like i know what i'm doing uh which is entirely untrue um i make it up as i go along um <sighs> 
So, so what? What's my? What? Why am I doing it? What? What am I hoping to get out of it? Is that um, what, what do you want um, to should, Yeah, I mean, why? Why did I'd you start like the podcast? To pay some bills. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, that's 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 uh, that's not why I started. Yeah. I started the whole idea behind it. The whole driving point for the whole fucking thing from the start was to be for other people the person I wish had been there for me. Mm. Yeah, because I had to learn all this shit out on my own and. I made some mistakes. I got it wrong quite a lot of the time. And I wasn't always as um, enlightened and, and uh, wonderful as I am right now, you know? And that's that's human. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, that's yeah. what we do. But then the point of any kind of community and the way that we progress is that we share our mistakes and our learnings from those mistakes with other people mm. and then they don't have to make them they can make re- new make and different and interesting mistakes of their yeah. own and and you know that's how we that's what society is that's how we grow anyway um so like again i hadn't found a community that fit for me and i was like all right well i'm I, I wanted to be for other people and i was like i can't be the only one in this situation so i wanted to make this textbook that kind of this book that people would read that would kind of help them be a better gay mm. and um and 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 feel connected to something but obviously no one reads books especially not uh the people who would need to read it so then it kind of got shelved for a while, and uh, then I started thinking about turning it into a YouTube channel because I'd pe- I'd seen people like um, Tyler Oakley, and uh, because I kind of came up with YouTube in the early days, a lot of it was drivel. Yeah. Um, even the ridiculously popular YouTubers, a lot of it was like, "Hi guys, I just on today. I just want to tell you about my day. Like, I went for I went shopping. I got an iced coffee, and." <laughs> And I'm like, how are these people making millions of dollars with this yeah. shit, basically? I could do better. And so I started looking at turning it into a YouTube channel, which was around, um, when was that? That would have been around, that was around 2010. Mm. So I put it down for a long time and, you know, got on with my life, drank too much, um, like got a job, uh, stuff like that. And around 2010, 2012, uh, I, I was working on, as you mentioned earlier, uh, so so gay which is the the uk's largest and fastest growing online gay lifestyle magazine awesome. at the time um um only it turns out the the youtube uh is well, editing video is really quite hard it's, it's a slog um <laughs> <laughs> and uh i i faffed about with it for a couple of years and i just wasn't happy with any of it also i i don't know if you've noticed but i'm i'm quite uh well i know this now because i've i've uh, I've, I've kind of been diagnosed and stuff at the time. I didn't realize that I had a bit of spicy brain going on. I, I have a, a an interesting uh, blend of um, ADHD and autism, which means that I'm quite, I'm not keen on uh, consistent eye contact. Mm-hmm. So looking at a camera and talking for 10, 15 minutes like this is extremely uncomfortable for me, even though the camera is not a real eye yeah, yeah. um and so i'm off all over the place my eyes are moving and i get uncomfortable and i'm twitching and moving around that's not good for video uh so between me being a bad host and me being a bad editor the youtube videos were just like oh god this is awful and also doing that kind of shit costs a lot of money it is not cheap to get the right equipment to make it look good mm. on youtube and um so i kind of faffed about with it for a while and i was complaining about this to a friend of mine who was like well you've written the scripts yeah i'm like yeah yeah i've got like 10 or 12 of them I'm like um, and I'm sure I can think of like more. And he said, all right, well, just do them as a podcast. Just do it as audio. You can do that on your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's free. 
and um, if it goes well, turn it into a YouTube channel later. I'm like, oh yeah, that's not a bad idea. And so I kind of bash the whole thing together, kind of half-heartedly, in a kind of this is just go. This is just a test of um, concept. This is going to see how it goes. Yeah. And that was seven years ago. <laughs> and now I'm stuck with. I'm not stuck, but I, I'm, I'm stuck with the name, which. It was just a joke. The, jo the name was a really lame joke about how it's all actually true, but my mum listens, so I have to pretend that it's probably true, so I've got some plausible <laughs> deniability when it comes yeah. to the really filthy stuff. It just a little bit um, of, you know, embellishment in places. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, which, which was a stupid joke that wasn't meant to go anywhere. And now it's like, well, it's knackered for any kind of like searchability or SEO or like finding it on brand recognition because it's really hard to think of. It doesn't say queer or gay or LGBT anywhere <laughs> in the title. All these kind of things that nowadays, like obviously, uh, I mean, the stupid thing is, the really stupid thing is that my day job at the time and my most of my career has been spent in advertising and branding. Mm. This is stuff that I do for a living for other people yeah. that I just didn't think of. because It was just like, it was meant to just be a little kind of, twiddly side project that didn't go anywhere and then uh i got all stubborn about it and kept it and now it's been seven years and uh 160 odd episodes like 25 hours of recorded material yeah, brilliant i think the the scripts have clocked in over 150,000 words i think yeah. something like that yeah, there's, yeah. there's your book there and, yeah. I mean, it's mostly knob jokes, uh, which is, and and this is the other thing. Like, like start when I started out as a, and I'm aware that I'm jabbering now, so I'm going to stop talking about this in just a minute. But the other thing that I realized quite early on, when I was doing like the textbooky type stuff, was that if it's dry and boring, no one wants to hear about it. Like, I was bored writing mm -hmm. it, so I'm like, how can I expect anyone to read this and get anything out of it? Because, yeah, uh, so. Um, the entertainment side of it was was the bigger thing. Like if and, and the best way that I could think of to do that, because I am just a child, was knob jokes. And and if I can make it funny and entertaining and then also have these thoughtful moments or these things that underneath the laughs are the bits that we can take mm. away, then yeah, and that's very sex and it's very kind of which got me to think. <laughs> um uh so yeah, like when I was first trying to sell it. When I was first trying to not even sell it, when I was first trying to get people interested to listen to it, I was like, oh, yeah, it's like um, Alan Bennett's Talking Heads meets Sex in the City only gay. Yeah. And, like, and people were like, what? And I'm like, oh, it's just, it's me talking for 10 minutes about, some, about something filthy, telling you stories about my life and not. Uh, not hiding away from any of the the filthy or the naughty or the bits that we're not supposed to talk mm. about in straight in front of straight people because it wasn't for straight people it was for the quiz well, exactly. for me and so yeah. so that um i mean has it done its job has it evolved since that initial idea of filling the gap of the content that you were missing when you were sort of growing up i mean in terms of its you know how it how it hits with you know young gay people or you know who or whoever your audience is um, has it sort of fulfilled that? Um, have you evolved the... Yeah, it's evolved. I have guests on who tell stories that I can't or shouldn't. Because mm. um, there was an episode about... I, did, I wrote an episode a while ago after talking with a friend of mine who's a sex worker who um, 
has an enormous penis. It's like 11 inches. It is abs- it's delightful. Um, it's, it's fun to kind of just bat around <laughs> like a cat. It's just massive. Anyway, um, and um, I wanted to talk about big knobs, but mine is not that big. Almost, yeah. but not quite that big. You know, I'm, it's, it, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but, um, and so, and, and I, and I wrote this episode about big dicks and it was all, well, my friend said this and my friend said that, and, and it became a bit like, that doesn't feel right. Yeah. I could have just got them on to tell this story and it would have been more authentic. It would have been, so that's what I started doing. And, and at the time, um, I was still like dealing, but I hadn't even started dealing with like my, my gender identity and stuff. And I, I wanted to make sure that that trans voices were out there and and telling their stories in authentic and and proper mm. ways and um and it didn't feel right for me to tell someone else's story. So um yeah, so I have guests on now and I kind of alternate the episodes. So it's still me doing my filthy stand up telling my silly stories when they're all about 10 minutes long. So um because that's mostly from a um a content management point of yeah. view it's like all right i can write i can write 10 minutes of dirty story a week that's not a problem if i was trying to do an hour's worth a week it would be a full-time job and even then i'd run out of material very quickly um as i'm sure you're aware like hour-long podcasts are quite difficult yeah oh 100 <laughs> if you're crafting every word absolutely <laughs> exactly yeah. um and and so um yeah so it's evolved and i'm and again now that um i i've uh evolved my craft a bit i'm looking at doing youtube again uh i'm doing some more like live stand-up that's a lot easier um because it's basically just remembering what i've wrote which is in itself what i've written which is in itself really difficult because of the adhd but i can more or less manage manage um yeah so there are so there are evolutions and yeah like i was talking to a publisher recently about doing a book as well so maybe it'll come all the way back around to full circle but basically like the whole thing has been about being the the big gay brother for people who or big gay sibling i suppose mm. i keep forgetting that i'm non-binary um uh for other people yeah. and also where possible paying some bills that's really all i want out of this yeah. thing is to is is to be able to help other people and i get lots of comments not lots i get i get plenty of messages and stuff from people going i've never heard anyone talk about these things the way you do i thought i was the only one yeah and and that to me like that hits really hard because I'm like oh my god I got it right um, because that's the thing with like when when you're trying to represent someone but you're having to run it through someone else's um, filter or lens it never strike it never it, f- it never feels authentic because you're 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 busy appeasing straight people rather than talking about queer issues in a way that is resonant to queer people and yeah that's that's what I'm all about. Yeah. Um, no, that sounds that sounds great. I was actually going to ask the, you know, about the responses that that you've had from people again as this, as this concept's evolved. Um, but you know, you've hit the nail on the head, and it's that's why we that's kind of why we do this, isn't it? Yeah. There's a there's an underlying yeah. mission. It's not all complete narcissism. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is some narcissism. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pretend that I don't. Uh, I mean, I don't like the sound of my own voice, but I'm not gonna pretend that I don't enjoy uh, the attention of uh, uh, the the attention that it brings and like the the responses I get are lovely and it's very affirming. Yeah, and it's nice to know that you know I'm I'm doing something positive and I'm making a difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Where can oh, people find you? you 
Oh, well, um, Probably True is on all the best pod places. Awesome. So wherever you find Sex in Space, you can find Probably True. Um, uh, or search for me, I'm River Scott, on most of the socials. But like we've been saying, I don't use them a lot too much anymore because it's all a bit awful. It's a bit awesome. Um, other than that, um, oh, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I forgot what I was going to say. Yeah, so find me on the socials. I'm around-ish, and uh, Probably True is out there and um, telling queer stories and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, I'd, and hopefully, you know, uh, coming soon to a um, Supreme Commander ship near you so I can rule the world and make it all a better place. Brilliant. That'd be nice. All right, well, I'll be... Uh, I'm, on, I'm on your team, so don't, oh, you know, yeah. vaporise me or whatever the plan is. <laughs> your death will be swift and painless, don't <laughs> Thank worry. Thank you very much. <laughs> Hello, cool. Let's end this. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This has been really fun. Good, good. Thank you, peeps. Really hope you've enjoyed that one. You can check out more of River over on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash river does things. And be sure to check out the probably true podcast.com. Before we sign off, I wanted to remind you to check out our book available at sexandspace.com forward slash book to download and buy. Don't forget to leave us a like, follow, comment, or review wherever you're tuning in from. Your support means the world to us. Until the next time, safe travels, and see you on the next episode.